Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Love is Blind is one of the biggest hits on Netflix right now. In fact, over 30 million viewers have tuned in in the last two months. It's on its fifth season and it just keeps getting better. I love the concept. Honestly, I wish they would do a version for people like me, a little bit older in their 40s who have been married before, divorced, and have a kid or two and really are looking for their second chance at love. I think that would be a great concept. Every season, the producers send us on a roller coaster ride of emotions, but this season was dramatic in a whole new way. And the person at the center of that drama is today's guest, Uche Okoroha. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's smart, handsome, forthright, and authentically himself. When I say he gives us the inside scoop on all things Love is Blind, that is an understatement. We talk casting, a day in the life of the production, the pressure to fall in love, and the shock of hearing an ex-girlfriend's voice in the very next pod. Uche also opens up about the true friendships he made, love after the pods, and he responds to the comments Izzy recently made on the Vile Files. Also, if you've been following in the news, season five contestant Tang Tran Dang, excuse me, is suing the production company's Kinetic and Delirium, claiming that she was sexually assaulted by her former fiance during filming. I'll be honest, we're not going to get into this because of some restrictions we had, but it wouldn't be fair if I didn't tell you that this was happening. If you're watching the show, you know that only two contestants made it to the final stages of the show where they end up um, standing to find out who actually gets married. And I think there was some question as to why there were so um, little couples that made it to the very end. Now we know that others have in the past been filmed and they haven't followed through with their stories. This is an example of why. So these two were engaged. They were not featured on the show. She alleges false imprisonment and negligence. Um, And of course, we have a statement from the the production companies that say they deny and will vigorously defend the allegations against them. So um, due to again, due to some constrictions, we have kept that part out. But we do ask Uche um, his experience of the situation. So um, it'll be interesting to hear what he went through while he was on this exact season that um, the production companies are being sued for. Uche is a straight shooter, which I appreciate. No bullshit, no safe generic answers. He spills it all for us. It's so good. So please welcome Uche to the show. Uche, I'm so excited that you're with us on Misunderstood. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So Netflix is doing so well with the show. It always has. I've always been a fan. 30 million viewers in the first two months. You're a lawyer. You're obviously good looking. What made you do the show? Yeah, I really just thought that this was a way to step outside of the box, try something a little bit different. Obviously, I'd been on uh, dating apps. I tried dating through, you know, friends and getting introductions and things like that. And I thought this would just be a fun and unique experience, something that was different to meet somebody that could potentially be my wife. So what were you doing before the show um, in terms of getting dates? Were you on Bumble? Like, how was your dating life happening then? I think the majority of it was through dating apps, because I read somewhere that, hey, most people that find a spouse, it's uh, one of two different methods. Either you find them through work, or you find them through school. And obviously, I've done more school than I've ever that I ever want to do in the future. I'm done with school. And as far as work, I I own my own business. I work from home, so I'm not meeting anybody here either. So mostly dating apps. Um, and that was the way that I was relying on meeting new people for the most part. Right, right. So how did you did you get in touch with the show? Did they get in touch with you? How what was the process? 
Yeah, they reached out to me. So I think a lot of us got recruited for the show. And what they'll do is they'll reach out to you on Instagram. Uh, one of the casting producers will follow you and then they'll message you and then they'll have a call and they'll say, hey, we think you're really good for this show. Uh, would you like to apply? And, uh, you know, would you like to potentially be on Love is Blind? And it, was it something you were open to? Had you seen the show in the past? I think that it took a little bit of convincing. Um, the first show that this production studio reached out to me for was Married at First Sight. And that was like a year or two years before Love is Blind. Oh, and wow. I got on the phone with them and I said, the premise of this show just really makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I would want to do that. So then yeah. a couple of years later, when they called me for Love is Blind, I was like, okay, well, at least in this situation, I get to choose who I get engaged to or get married to. So I was a little bit more open to that. So it was more of like prompting over time where, you know, people were reaching out to me for different shows. And I thought, okay, what the hell? I'm still single. You know, I, sh I should just go for it. I should just try it. So I'm curious about what the, like, how it go like, how you're getting picked. Like, was it a ton of people and it was narrowed down to you or um, they knew from the beginning that it was offered to you? Like, did you have to do a bunch of interviews? Oh, yeah. So even though they uh, reached out to me, you still had to apply. You still had to go through a casting process, do interviews, send them photos, all of that. So I think that started in maybe November um, of 2021. And I didn't get the final green light that I would be on the show until March or April of uh, 2022. Oh, wow. Okay. So they did do a big vetting. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So what was your mindset once they say, okay, you're on the show, this is going to happen. Did you think you were going to go on it to find love? Did you believe in the process? Like what was your mindset? Yeah. So I think if anybody tells you that they thought that they were going to 100% find a potential spouse by going on a reality TV show, they'd be lying to you. I think it was more of the mentality of, hey, I am ready to get married if I find the right person. Do I think this is the best option and this is 100% certain to happen for me? No, but I thought it was a very unique way to date. I'd seen just the first two seasons at this point, and I saw, mm -hmm. wow, there's still, you know, four uh, successful couples that are still married. Wouldn't it be awesome if that happened to me as well? Even if it's a one or 2% chance, that would be amazing to have that happen. Yeah, for sure. So now explain like how it works. I'm always obsessed with like how this goes down. Are you guys in there sequestered for two weeks, like they sort of say that you are, give us the day in the life. Yeah, the day in the life is we'll wake up in the morning, like, you know, seven o'clock or so. And then we'll go from the hotel over to the studio. And okay. we are cut off from the rest of the world. We don't have our cell phones, our laptops. We don't have TV, internet, radio, nothing. So we go there and we're in our respective lounges. All of the guys are in the lounge together. All of the girls are in the lounge together. And um, basically all we do all day is we hang out with each other and we go on dates. And that's pretty much it. But we are cut off from the rest of the world during that period of time. So I heard that like in the first day you do meet all 15 or however many contestants there are, whatever the word is, but the women, you go through all of them and they, you get to meet them at least once, right? Yes. On the first day you go through and you date all of the, the women for 10 minutes each. So the okay. first day is 10 minutes each and all 15 women, and then you have to rank them. And then you can go on dates with your top eight for the, for the second day. And what kind of criteria made them your top picks? You know, <laughs> it's really hard to get to know somebody in 10 minutes. Yeah. And so I was going in there and I'm like, hey, I'm not beating around the bush. Let's get uh, directly into it. I want to know that, you know, you have some kind of values. I want to know that you're you're ambitious and motivated in life. I want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're lighthearted and you don't take yourself too seriously. So I was going in asking those type of questions to make sure that I would mesh well with somebody. Right, right. And what, what did it feel like in the pods? I always notice that there's blankets. Like, is it super cold? Is it like, are they giving you something to eat and drink? Like what, what is it like in there? 
in the pods it was it was pretty comfortable and yeah. it's like I don't know everywhere else you feel super aware that there's cameras and you know you're being watched and you're being monitored but in the pods like they the kind of hide the cameras a little bit so it just feels like you're in a, a little living room and you're just able to really relax and pretend like you're not on a television show right Right. And do the producers um, give you advice about what to expect or how to handle yourself or how you might feel based on what they've seen in the past and how to like navigate this experience to make it better for you? Yeah, they definitely do. They give their advice. They came in uh, every day and they gave kind of like a speech and they let us know, hey, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what you should do. Um, each day they had a theme as well. Uh, they yeah, came I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know, according to all of this, these studies and all of this data, here are the things that you need to figure out uh, before you potentially marry somebody. So one day is like um, uh, values and religion. And the next day is about uh, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, children, things like that. So there are themes. You don't have to talk about those things, but they do make those recommendations to you. So it's like they're helping you with conversation starters to exactly. to move forward. Okay. So like what can and can't you say? I'm all I mean obviously you guys can talk about what you do for a living, what your name is, but can you ask about physical traits? Yes. Yes, you can and people did ask about that. They told us there is nothing that's off limits. You can ask whatever you want. You can ask, "Hey, what do you look like?" I know some people played the whole game of uh what's your celebrity look alike or things like that, but nothing was off limits. Fall is absolutely upon us and I cannot wait to do a little refresh on my wardrobe. My go-to is Jenny Kane. I'm a huge fan now that I have the clothes and I'm so excited to share this with you. You guys really have to listen up because Jenny Kane makes the perfect luxurious staples. The style is minimalist, refined, and more importantly, they make fashion look effortless, even when it's not. If you love everyday basics, elevated, you need to check out Jenny Kane. From their cozy cashmere sweaters to their classic accessories, they never get it wrong. And that's because Jenny Kane believes in the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. This way, your clothes never go out of style. And not only are their clothes curated perfectly, Jenny Kane also has a flawless collection of home decor. Chic furniture, cozy throws, candles, everything to set the mood for fall. They also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. So check it out. And for a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to Jenny Kane and use the code understood to get 15% off. That's Jenny Kane, J-E-N-N-I. K-A-Y-N-E dot com. I'm obsessed with Jenny Keen and I'll tell you why. I bought the everyday sweater in like a taupey brownish color and I got the Flynn cashmere in a black and I had, I loved it so much. I had to get the light gray. I cannot stop wearing it. I live in Florida and I literally put it on every morning um, and then sometimes in the evenings. It is gorgeous. I get compliments it on. I get compliments on it all the time. I never want to take it off. So find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order. And when you use understood at checkout, you'll get 15%. That's your 15% off your first order at JennyKane, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code understood. Let getting dressed be easier on you. I'm always on the hunt for the latest skincare products that keep my skin healthy and looking great. That's what led me to OneSkin. They are a female-founded company with over 15 years' experience studying the biology of aging. The beauty space is oversaturated with overhyped skincare products, but One Skin does stand out. They target the root cause of skin aging to promote healthier skin from the inside out. Their flagship product, OS One Face, is clinically validated to improve firmness, fine lines, and overall tone and appearance. One skin can be used on its own or combined with your current favorites. It's vegan, cruelty-free, and fragrance-free, and it has the skin-safe seal of approval, meaning it's suitable for even the most sensitive skin. For a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off One Skin with our code UNDERSTOOD at oneskin.co not com. Don't get that wrong. I personally love one skin. I've actually used my code to buy more of it. I have the OS one face 
and I have the under eye cream. And I will tell you that it makes your skin appear younger. It feels luxurious. I'm not just saying this. I've bought it myself. I haven't just been gifted this. It's something that I will continue to use. I do love it. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin behaves feels and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye and body routine at a discounted rate. Get 15% off with the code understood at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code understood. We only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. Age healthy with one skin. Okay. So did you do that with the people that you were talking to? I, I I didn't do that. The only thing that I did and I wanted to make sure of, and I did this for the first day, is I wanted to get everybody's, you know, racial and ethnic background. Because obviously you go in there and my name is Uche, right? So you're like, hey, you're starting to get a sense of kind of what I look like from that. So I was just like, hey, to put us on a, you know, a level playing field, I do want to get that information uh, from the from the other person that I'm dating. But other than that, I really didn't ask what people look like or any of their physical characteristics. Do you feel like after seeing what some of the people look like and then speaking to them for so long before, did it match what you thought? No, like <laughs> it's so hard. And as we saw, as we saw from the show, it's very hard for me to even recognize voices in the first place. So being able to match up, you know, voices with what people look like, it was just so weird because you get some image of what they would look like in your head and then it's different. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird in that sense, trying to match that up. Right, right. Okay. So who did you have an instant connection with? I think I had an instant connection with Aaliyah and I believe she was my last, very last date on the first day. Oh, okay. And, but was there anyone else that you felt like, oh, wow, this is someone I really want to pursue or from the beginning, she was always the one. I think from the beginning, she was the one. I think there were a couple of other girls that I thought there may be something there with. Uh, for example, I had a lot of conversations with Linda from the show and I thought she was amazing, but uh, Aaliyah was definitely my top pick from the, from the first day. And I'm always curious because you always see all these different people, men and women that never make it on the show and they're edited out kind of, or their story is edited out. What, why is that? Is that because at the end they don't follow through to the end? Is it because they're boring? Like, why do they get that edit? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not really sure what makes people what makes them make those decisions, really. I know that there are some couples that, you know, get engaged and they don't get followed at all. Some couples actually do get followed and then they're cut out later. Um, to be honest, I have no idea how they make those decisions of who they're going to show and who they're not. Right. Okay. So when you read about how Love is Blind work works, it says that you guys are spending 10 days of time together. Is that true? Yeah, about about 10 days. I think there's um, seven or eight days of actual dating in the pods. And then like day eight or nine is the engagement. And then one day is the reveal as well. Right. Okay. So and are you feeling pressure at that point when you get to day eight or nine? Like, oh, God, I have to pick someone. I think there definitely is pressure. And I, I don't know what it is about you know, um, being in that environment and coming in there every day and talking about your feelings and, you know, having um, um, the the producers and everybody around you talk about, hey, marriage, this is, you know, the most important uh, decision of your life. You're, you're forming this bond. You're, you know, there's this partnership and then all of that. It's like I went in there thinking on the first day, hey, you know, I'm I'm open to a marriage. If I find the right person, I'm I'm open to getting married. And then after a couple of days, I started thinking, you know what? I really want to get married. I'm not just open to yeah. it. Like I I really want to get married. And then by like day six or seven, I'm like, wow, like I need to get married. Like this is the only thing, <laughs> this is the only thing I want in life. I I I need I need to get married now. So it's like oh, you man. kind of get into like this mental state where you're like romanticizing the idea of marriage and falling in love with somebody and getting engaged by the end right. of it. Right. Right. And so up until the eighth day, how I mean, I'm assuming you're narrowing it down from then that eight 
to whoever you like, but are you still seeing those eight until the end? Mm -hmm. You are, you are. So the entire, the entirety of the time, um, you know, you start off with eight on the, um, on the second day, but then you narrow that list down. So after eight, okay. I think the day after that is it's six and then you go to four and then you go to three and then you're dating those two or three people uh, until the end. You can choose when to end those relationships if you'd like, but it's kind of open to you to, to make those determinations. Right. Um, okay. So did you at the end there on day eight, did you really feel like you were you said you wanted to propose in general, maybe not necessarily to Aaliyah. We'll get to that. But do you feel at that point like you're really in love? I'm asking you, but just in general, like your group, were there men that were like, yeah, I feel in love. I want to propose. Or was it a lot of, I want to move to the next step because I want to keep getting filmed and I want to go to Mexico. I, I really think you saw you saw both you know, in there. Like me personally, I did feel at that point in time that I was in love. You know, whether or not I would have felt the same way or felt in love outside of that environment, I don't know. Uh, but mm. there were guys as well that said, hey, you know, I'm not in love, but, you know, we we get engaged and we're able to figure that out afterwards. So I think there was a little bit of both going on for sure. Right, right. Okay, so now let's clear up some rumors. Obviously, I mean, I don't think at this point it's a spoiler alert, but you and Lydia had dated in the past before the show. Um, so I want to ask you point blank. Did you know that Lydia was going to be on the show? I did not know that she was going to be on the show. Do you think that she knew you were going to be on the show? She absolutely did know that I was going to be on the show, or at least she had some idea uh, that I might be on the show. Right. Um, how do you think that happened? Do you think that the producers did that on purpose? Do you think it was accidental? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So you remember when I was telling you about the casting process, how these casting producers reach out to you and they follow you on Instagram and they send you a message. Mm -hmm. Well, what I found out is, and Lydia had had a conversation with a few of the girls from the cast. She had a conversation with Aaliyah. And then on a separate occasion, she had a conversation with three or four of the girls. What she had told them is that because she was checking who I followed on Instagram every week, she noticed that I was following somebody new. And she saw that that was a casting producer. And she clicked over to their Instagram profile and, and she saw casting for Love is Blind. So she was like, oh, okay. So she applied to be on Love is Blind. She blocked my Instagram profile. So nobody would knew, uh, nobody would know that we know each other. And that's how we ended up on the show together. Now, I think after she made those admissions to those girls, she realized how bad that made her look. So she started to backtrack and say, oh, no, well, uh, yeah, Uche told me he was being casted for the show. And that's how I figured it out. But number one, not only is that not true, you know, I didn't have a conversation with her about it at all, but even if that were true, it still begs the question of why conceal the fact that you knew somebody was going through the casting process that mm -hmm. you knew and you used to date and you applied to be on the show and you started showing up the first day saying, I feel like I'm going to see somebody from my past before the dates even happened. I think that was a little bit questionable. The exact mechanics, whether the producers knew or not, I don't know all of the specifics of it. Right. So like when she came in the pod that day and she started talking to you and you guys figured it out, did you end up going to producers and say like, what the hell's going on? Did you know I knew her? Like, or did you never talk to production about it? Oh, we did. So once they figured out, uh, we knew each other. They pulled us both out of the pods and they they put me inside of the interview room and they said, we don't know what's, what's going to happen right now. Just, you know, wait here. We're talking it through. We're going to figure out what we're going to do. And while we were in there, you know, one of the producers was talking to me. He's like, hey, just, you know, you can talk to me. The camera's not on just between me and you. What are you thinking? And I said, between me and you, I think that y'all went out and y'all found somebody that I used to date in order to have some kind of plot twist and, you know, mess with my head. That's what I think. And he mm -hmm. said, no, we absolutely didn't do that. It surprised us just as much as it's surprising you. Wow. Okay. So 
when she came into the pod and you guys figured it out, how did you feel? Is this, I mean, I think it's clear now it's somebody you ended it before with her and did not want to continue, but it, did it make you for a second think, oh, maybe I'll see how it goes or what were your thoughts? Were you angry? Were you, what, what were you? I was just taken aback. I was so surprised. Um, obviously, you know, we had dated out in the real world and that didn't work out. I didn't mm. have any inkling, any any idea, any concept, any desire to work things out with her at all. I was just thinking of how do I handle this situation? And you have to remember, we're in this pod and we're supposed to be in there for 10 minutes. So it was kind of awkward. And I was like looking around at the cameras and I'm like, hey, they're like, what am I supposed to do here? This is this is kind of weird. So I just didn't know how to handle that situation. And it was awkward and I was just trying to work through it the best that I could. Right. Right. And then it's evident that she became, you know, embroiled in, you know, this sort of triangle and affected obviously what happened for the rest of the show with you and Aaliyah. How did you feel about that? I think there's how I felt while it was happening and there's how I felt watching it back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell me. I didn't understand the severity of it when it was happening. So when we first figured out we knew each other, the producers came to me and they said, hey, okay, you have two options right now. Option one, you go home right now. Completely fine. We'll send you home. No harm, no foul. We'll let you out of the contract, whatever it is. Or you can stay. But if you do stay, you can't tell anyone that you used to date Lydia. If Lydia stays, Lydia cannot tell anyone that she used to date you. So those were the rules. And already in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, I've just went through this casting process for four, four months. I've sent them all of these photos. I've done all of these you know, interviews. I had to buy new clothes that don't have logos and don't have certain patterns on them. And I'm like, I, I can't just go home. I haven't even seen half the girls yet. You know, what if there really is somebody that I'm going to marry that's out there? So mm -hmm. going through it, I kind of just forgot that it was a thing in the, in the back of my head. I was keeping that in mind and I was trying to place that to the side and not let it affect me until I actually realized that, hey, Lydia and Aaliyah were becoming friends. Right. And right. what we don't see is that I'm the one that anticipated that and asked Aaliyah in one of our dates. Once I knew that I started connecting with her, I asked her in a date, hey, is there anybody that you are, you know, getting close with, becoming friends with in the pods? And she said, yeah, there's this one girl. She's like a sister to me. We talk every day. Uh, I love her. She's going to be the, the aunt to all of my kids. And I'm thinking in my head, don't say it, don't say it, don't say yeah. it. She's like, it's Lydia. And I was like, oh, like I was just, I didn't know what to say. I was so uncomfortable in that moment. And after that date, I went to the producers and I said, hey, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I, I know y'all want me to keep this uh, like a, a secret or whatnot, but this is not right. Like they're becoming right. friends. I'm an honest person. I've said this from the, from the get go. I'm blunt. I speak my mind. You're not letting me be myself. Right. Yeah. And you're making me keep something from somebody that I care about. And it was at that moment that the producers came, came to me and they were saying, Hey, you know, you're right. We're going to allow you to tell the person that you're dating. We're going to allow Lydia to do the same thing. So right. that's how it came about. Now, after that happened, Aaliyah felt the need to say, hey, okay, now that I figured out that you're that you used to date Lydia, I need to talk to her about that because that's my friend. And that's when we saw that scene where, you know, she was telling her a whole bunch of things about me and what car I drive and where I live and everything like that. And Aaliyah actually came back to me and she said, hey, Uche, like Lydia is telling me all of these things about you. And I said, well, there's there's no way she's doing that because the producers told me that if we tell anybody anything, if I tell any of the guys about Lydia, 
if Lydia tells any of the girls about me, we're going to be sent home. So how is she telling you these things? And she said, I, I don't know. She, she's telling me these things. They're not sending her home. So I went to the producers and I said, hey, you remember when you said that if we were to talk about any of our, our previous relationships or, or, or tell anybody in the lounge about each other, you would send us home? Why isn't that happening? And the producers told me, I don't know what she's talking about. We don't know what Aaliyah's talking about. Like, we're keeping them separate in the lounge. They're taking separate rides up to the studio, back from the studio. I don't know. Maybe maybe Lydia said something in passing, but it's it's like not a big deal. It's like, it's oh, not wow. something that, that's happening. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, maybe she just said something in passing. Like, it's not a big deal. So that's what I was thinking on, on, on my end. I was getting like conflicting information about what was going on. And then watching it back, I was like, oh my God, that's terrible that she had to, that she had to sit through that. Obviously it felt, I don't know what, you know, Lydia's goal was out of all of it, but it felt a little bit manipulative to me. And I was just so sad that, you know, Aaliyah had to, to had to go through with that. I had a completely different impression once I was actually able to see what was going on. Well, as someone watching it, I'll say, I feel like you got shortchanged. And I also feel like maybe you've been edited in a certain way. And I'm curious to ask you about that in a minute. But, you know, I felt like as someone who was watching it, it looked manipulative. It looked like um, Lydia was trying to sort of, you know, make make it known that she knew you. She knew all about you. She was trying to show how close you guys were and almost, you know, like show her that, you know, she had you first and that she was always going to be important or she she knew you more than Aaliyah did and to like exert some sort of, you know, made her feel better about herself. I don't know. It was kind of uncomfortable to watch. It also was uncomfortable to watch Aaliyah's reaction though, because it made me realize for you that might not be somebody you've only known them a few days who you would want to be with because why would that information be something that was so upsetting to someone that they wouldn't want to stay with you. I mean, and also she wasn't there to make friends. She was there to find um, someone to get engaged with and someone to have a relationship with. And the fact to me that she was like, well, let me, you know, talk to Lydia first. Let me see if this is okay. That felt weird to me. I didn't know if there was something more intimate going on with them. I mean, it seemed so odd watching it. Um, and also who cares what kind of car you drive? It, it's a fact you drive a car, you know, whatever. So who cares what this woman said? It should, she should have been level-headed to say, you know, she told me all these things. I didn't want to know it because I wanted to know from you later and getting to know you, but I'm here for you. And clearly she's jealous that she's not with you anymore. So, and I'm the one that you like. I mean, it was so obvious watching it and uncomfortable. And it made me uncomfortable later as you get on in the series, um, how the girls took her side, because I, you know, I'm somebody who takes a girl side, but I thought it was really uncomfortable. And I thought it was uncomfortable how they made you look like the problem when I don't, I, I don't think you were the problem. Um, all right. So let's get off that for a second. So talk to me about how you thought you were edited and if it was different from who you are. I definitely think that the edit was different from who I actually am as a person. And to give the the production studio credit for what they do, they've been doing reality TV for a couple of decades and they know what they're doing. They want to create polarizing characters because they want people to be like, I'm on team this person, I'm on team that person. So you need to create uh, a little bit of conflict there. But sure. the person that I was displayed as is not who I believe I actually am. And I think if they were to try and be fair to who I am, they would have let me develop my character a little bit. Like so many of the other people on the show, you got to hear about their background, their, their childhood, uh, their their culture, defining moments in their lives, uh, funny funny stories that they're telling. There was so much that me and Aaliyah talked about, and there's so much that we connected about, and there's so much about me as a person that I was able to display in those pods. And the very first episode was titled, So You're a Recent Cheater. 
in the very first episode, we go directly to the conflict and what was happening. And I think by taking just the moments of conflict and editing those moments out of context, so you don't know what brings me to that emotion or or to that point and nothing is really explained, I think that that makes me seem like, you know, perhaps I'm unreasonable or perhaps mm -hmm. I'm overreacting or, or I'm not level-headed. And that is something that I do regret about how they portrayed me on, on the show. Yeah, and that also brings me to the question, because there wasn't a lot of editing to show how you may have fallen in love with Aaliyah because so much of it was spent in this conflict like you're talking about. So I'm curious, what was it that brought you to the point that you wanted to propose to her? I think from the get-go, we were always just, it was just so easy to talk to her, like about mm -hmm. anything. I mean, they showed like a small portion of it, how we connected on, you know, poetry and music. We had, you know, some similar tastes. We had some similar hobbies. I think that in general, where we wanted to go in life, uh, you know, being ambitious and having goals and, you know, liking to travel and, you know, really um you know being family people like loving loving our family and appreciating that that family time and it's like so many different points not to say that we didn't have our differences as well we had our differences we had our disagreements but i think on a lot of different levels of what you would want in a partner we were on the we were on the same page right so you ended up taking the time to call her after she left um you made the effort to go see her after you guys had gotten out of the pods um, what were your thoughts going into that meeting and why, if you felt like that, are you not with her now? Is it because of her reaction and her leaving and her not being open to talk to you and the back and forth that you explained that she did after you guys left, um, the pods? Like, what is it for you of why you didn't continue and pursue her after? So to clarify, I did continue a relationship on with her. And I know they they edited the scene and they put in this soundbite to make it seem like I dumped her, but that's not what happened. You know, we met up and she apologized for leaving. I apologize for, you know, my, uh, you know, uh, any communication, miscommunication that I had. We, we held hands, we shared our first kiss and we decided to date off of camera. You know, they did invite us back. They said, hey, you can come back as an engaged couple. And we said, no, we're going to date off camera. And I think because we refused to come back to the show as an engaged uh, couple, that is why they decided to change what happened and make it seem like I dumped her at that lunch. But that wasn't the case. I will say going into it, I was still a little bit upset because all we see is that phone call, right? The phone call where I'm all uh, upset and I'm in the studio, but we don't see any context to that as well, right? Because mm -hmm. watching it back, I understand why she left. I would have left too. I would have left earlier than she did. <laughs> the, the minute Lydia went off and started saying car house, I would have I would have been gone, right? So she is so she is so brave for you know sticking in it and staying and staying there as long as she did. And I, I thought that meant that she really did care about me. But my whole thing is the communication aspect of it, right? And we went in there the day before the engagement, and I sat down with her and I said, okay. Tomorrow's the engagement. I'm not going to come in here and get engaged for television. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I want to make sure that we're actually ready to get engaged. So I said, let's talk about everything. How are we on that Lydia situation? Is, is that good? Are we over that? Is that still bothering you? She said, no, we're, we're past that. Okay, this whole in, infidelity disagreement, how are we on that? Are, are we good? Did we move past with that? Are we okay with that? She said, yes, that's okay. I was like, mm -hmm. let's go back through every date that we've had. Let's talk about uh, uh, emotional intimacy, uh, physical intimacy, children, religion. Are we on the same page about everything? Are we actually ready to do this? And she said, yeah, I am. I'm completely ready to get engaged to you tomorrow. There's nothing that's holding me back. So, so that's why it was so shocking when you showed up and they said she had left. Exactly. Because I even told her in that moment, hey, it might be difficult if Lydia gets engaged too, and, you know, we're, we're both continuing this process together. I said, 
what do you think about just leaving, going home to Houston and dating off camera? And she said, yeah, you know, I would be fine with that as well. And I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to promise each other. We're going to promise each other that no matter what, we are going to show up for each other tomorrow and we're going to make this decision together. Either we get engaged and we go into Mexico or we say, screw it. We're going to go home and we're going to date in Houston. But either way, we'll be on the same plane home together. And she made me yeah. that promise. And six hours later, she was on the way to the airport by herself. And I think that's why I was so upset is because I can understand wanting to go home, but I just wish she had communicated that to me. I understand. I would have went home too. But just the communication, don't promise me you're going to show up for me and then leave. And then what we don't see is that over that period of time, I was at the studio for the entire day, even though she didn't show up in the morning. And after I went to the pod, and she wasn't there, and I went back to the interview room, they started almost interrogating me. You know, there was about three producers in there, and they said, hey, uh, Aaliyah left. Why did she leave? I said, I, I don't know why, why she left. They're like, well, you must have said something to her. Like, what, where, where'd she go? Why, why is she not here? And I said, well, you're the producers. Tell me, tell me why she's not here. They said, oh, she came to us this morning, and she demanded she, she go home. She gave us this journal, you know, the journal I'd, uh, I'd written yeah. about. She gave us his journal and said, give this to Uche. He'll know what it means. What does that journal mean? I said, I don't know what it means. They're like, open it up. Did she write you a note? And I opened it up and I'm like, no, she didn't write anything. They're like, oh, so she didn't even write you a note? And I said, no, she didn't, she didn't write me a note. So at this point, I'm all, I'm confused. I'm, you know, anxious. I'm angry. And at that point, they're like, oh, do you want to talk to her? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll talk to her. And they put the phone in front of my face. And then that's the that's the one moment that you see. You don't see everything else there. So I think a big part of it was me trying to calm down and understand her perspective uh, from it. And I was a little bit hurt, but I did get past that and I did forgive her and I did want to give it a second try. And we did date off camera for, you know, about a month or so. And it just didn't work out between us at the end of the day. Right. And so it didn't work out, but it had nothing to do with the show. Like you're happy that you met her. You felt like it, the, the, it sounds like the experiment worked because you found somebody who you were attracted to enough in inwardly, outwardly, whatever it was to date outside. And then it just didn't work because it wasn't the right person, which happens to all of us. Right. So do you believe in the process of, of what you guys were doing there? Oh, <laughs> that, 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 that's a tough one because while I do think that I found an incredible person and I, I did appreciate our relationship and I do think it worked in that aspect. I can also see that that environment and, you know, being cut off from the rest of the world and, you know, not having distractions and friends and family and, you know, going into their everyday thinking about marriage might make you force connections that otherwise wouldn't have necessarily have been as strong in the real world. Yeah. Like, for example, in the pods, we saw the whole thing about, um, that uh, she plays the guitar, right? And she told me, hey, you know, I have I have a Fender guitar. And I was like, no way. You have a Fender guitar? I have a Fender guitar. Like, we're soulmates. <laughs> this means that we should be together, right? This is, this is a huge coincidence. And then watching it back, I'm on my couch and I'm like, Fender is one of the best-selling guitar brands in the world. Like, that's not a, that's really, that's really not a, like a huge coincidence or whatever. So, yeah, I, I do think that I had a strong, strong connection with her, and I do think that it is an interesting way to date. But I do see some downsides in that you're willing to compromise more than you typically are, and you're willing to reach more for connection uh, than you than, than you typically are, and then also. While it's an interesting concept not to be able to see the person while you're talking to them, that also creates communication barriers. Because I, I, I'll be the first person to admit, I'm not the most effective communicator sometimes. And I went in there and I even told all of the girls, you know, on the first or the second day that I came in there, I was like, hey, just so you know, warning, I'm a very, sometimes I can be very blunt 
I can be very direct and I prioritize just getting my thoughts out there instead of, you know, taking the time to actually figure out how I want to word that. So please right. be patient with me. If I do that, just point it out to me and I'll correct it. But I think because I am that type of person, I take nonverbal cues. Like the majority of communication is nonverbal. And so me already sometimes being an ineffective communicator, I feel like I need to see somebody. Oh, that thing that I said, they made that face. Okay. I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Right. I totally agree with that. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting and important. I do agree with that too, but I like dating online because I mean, yeah, you could see what their picture is like and you can get an idea. But for the most part, every time I've met somebody online, they don't, I mean, of course they resemble their picture, but it's different. Their movements are different. The way they smile or talk makes, you know, even their voice makes them come across different than the photo. And I think, um, you know, dating online, you get the opportunity to meet someone's personality first and see if they give good phone, if they're, you know, if they communicate well, if they're in touch with you in a way that makes sense, or if they're disappearing, like you can find out a lot about a person dating online, kind of like being behind a door because you, you get to just see their personality first and see if it matches. A lot of people are like, Oh, I'll just meet you Wednesday night. and We'll see if there's a connection. I don't do it that way. I, I like the idea, which is why I love the idea of love is blind. I always wish they would do a show I'm 48 for people who have been divorced that have kids that are older than you guys that want a second chance in love. I think that would be a great show because we're like dying to meet the right person. And you know, the statistics are like, it's easier to get kidnapped by terrorists or something after you're 40 and been married a couple of times. So <laughs> I would think my statistics might be better um, through a wall, but who knows? Um, okay. Wait. So you were talking about that and made me curious about your castmates because like we see with I think their names are JP and Taylor, that yeah. they have a great connection. People really like them. It's a teacher and a fire guy, fireman. And you think they're going to work and he meets her. And the rest of the time in Mexico, he hardly speaks to her or looks at her. And it's clear that it has to do with, you know, makeup gate or whatever. He says that her face isn't what he pictured. The eyelashes threw him off. The makeup on her face threw, her off, threw him off. And it's hard to watch. It's hard. You know, he was on the show knowing that he fell for someone based on her personality and then clearly cannot get over the way she looks. So two part question, how important is the way you look uh, in a relationship? And number two, what did you think of that scenario, either being in it and seeing them and then watching it back? Yeah, I think that in this situation, that is one of the good things that I will say about love is blind and dating through a wall. By the time you actually see that person, you already have that emotional connection. So it mm -hmm. matters a whole lot less than on a dating app where the first thing you see is their face. And then that's all you have to go go off of. So for me, it didn't matter what the person looked like at the end of the day. Obviously, if they looked like, you know, Shrek or something, we're going to have a problem, right? <laughs> Everybody has their limits. But for the most part, I'm like, okay, you know, if they're just, you know, a normal looking person, that that that's completely fine. So um, I think a, a lot of us, you know, had the same feeling too. Like, hey, it, it doesn't matter as long as I have that emotional connection. Now, mm -hmm. watching JP and Taylor, that was tough because I love JP. I think he's a great guy. I love Taylor. I think she's a great girl. Um in that situation, I don't know, because off, you know, camera in person, like JP is so charismatic, like you can't get the guy to shut up. He's always, you know, cracking jokes or doing whatever. And I think that in the pod and in the pods, you see that as well. Like I mentioned, mm -hmm. like the cameras are hidden, you know, you're not able, you're just able to feel comfortable. And once you get out of the pods, it's different. Like you have two cameras, you have like three producers standing in front of you. And I felt like he just felt awkward, like he had to perform like, hey, go over here and have this discussion, then walk over here and OK, talk here. And like he just had to perform and he just kind of, you know, shrunk back into his shell. And what he said to Taylor was not right, you know, mm -hmm. and I and I reached out to Taylor and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't mean what he said. That was wrong. You handled it excellently. Like you handled really did you handled it so well. And I, and I told her that, um, I think at the end of the day, like if 
you know, JP like didn't like her makeup or, you know, wanted, preferred a more natural look, he could have just said, hey, Taylor, like, wow, I noticed you're not wearing any makeup today. And like, you are so beautiful naturally. I don't even think you need makeup. And right. then maybe she would have thought, okay, well, maybe I'll not wear makeup more often. But I think in that moment, like, you know, from whatever pressure he was feeling to perform because it's television, he's like, all right, well, they're like, why are you being quiet? Why are you being quiet? And he's like, okay, maybe I'll just create some drama. Like it's a TV show, right? So, and, and I don't know, I haven't talked to him about it. So I don't, but that that would be my thought of, you know, why he did that. Because at the end of the day, I, I know him in real life. I know he's not a bad person. I think that was a bad moment. And I do think that he regrets what he told her as well. Yeah, right. Um, all right, Izzy and Stacy. Uh, oh, wait, go back to JP for one second. Why did he wear red, white, and blue the whole time? <laughs> did he do that off camera also? JP is like, he's like Captain America. He just loves oh. America. That, that's what it I is. I love that about him. He's so innocent. Yeah. He's very, he's very, he's very patriotic. And yeah, that's off camera as well. He's always, he, I mean, he's a firefighter. You know, he told me this story once about, um, how he rescued people from this burning building and he had to hop he had to climb onto the building and he had to come through the roof with an axe to go out there and rescue the people from a burning building like that's as you know he's he's a very he's a very selfless person he's a very patriotic person he puts other people first um you know so that's that's just who he is uh, as a person. Yeah, it's hard to dislike him. He he seems like a great guy. However, I guess, you know, as we were talking about communication, he obviously had some communication issues with Taylor. And listen, sometimes if you're not physically attracted to somebody, it's going to make you withdraw and feel forced to have to make something of it. And I mean, I get it. He He didn't use the right words, but hard to hate him when he's such a good guy in his professional life. So, um, okay. So Izzy and Stacey. Um, I think they were like a fan favorite for a little while. I think it got really uncomfortable later watching how she was interacting with you when you came back and you were trying to talk to Lydia that one night. I did not like how she spoke to Johnny. Um, I, I almost don't like how she speaks to Izzy half the time. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. Her family made me uncomfortable by saying she likes private planes. She likes this. She likes that. Are you going to be able to support her with that? Because those are not the most important things that you should be asking someone's fiance. I just think that was incredibly disrespectful. And Izzy, it looks like he's on the verge of tears half the time. Um, Izzy recently was on a podcast a couple of days ago where he said, um, you know, he thought that you were being calculated that you were winning at breakups versus winning at being in love. He did call you the oldest, the wisest, the most level-headed, but said that you were talking shit about him um, and had said that you um, were mad at Johnny for hanging out with this superficial guy. What are your comments to that? So I did say some of those things about him. I'll be the first to come out and admit that if I say something about somebody, I'll, I'll own it. But what it is, is I only had one perspective, right? So this all started at the barbecue when the whole situation went down with how he, you know, interacted with Johnny. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there to see what actually happened. I came in afterwards and you'll see on camera just a scene of me sitting in front of Johnny and she's wiping her tears with a handkerchief. That was my handkerchief that I handed her. And I'm just sitting there like shaking my head. And basically what happened is I went over to Johnny and she said, wow, Izzy just came in here and he attacked me and he attacked Chris. He was calling me all these names. And then Stacy came over and she attacked me and, you know, she attacked Chris and, you know, it was terrible. So I was like, oh my God, that's like, why would he do that? Like I, I was, I was cool with Izzy in the pods. I thought, you know, and I still think he's a great guy. I thought he was a great guy then. I think he was a great guy now, but I, I texted him after the barbecue and I was like, wow, you know, last night was crazy, right? I just want to get your thoughts on everything. Like, you know, what happened and, and all of that. I was trying to get his side from it. And he said, hey, man, yeah, I'm filming right now. And I'll, I'll hit you up later and we'll talk. And he never got back to me. So I only had Johnny's perspective on it. And she told me all these terrible things. So when filming ended and, you know, Izzy was re-entering Johnny's life. And I saw that. I was like, wait, no, hold on, Johnny. You remember what you told me about him, right? He's a bad guy. Like, don't do that, you know? But watching it back now, I see that it's 
more complicated than I had originally thought, right? And I still don't think the way he talked to her was, <laughs> I don't agree with the, with the way he spoke to her, but I can mm -hmm. see that in his head, he thought he was maybe uh, like defending Chris. So I kind of see a different perspective now than I did then. And I absolutely don't think he's a bad guy. That's just some of the things that I was hearing about him that I was just essentially parroting back. Yeah, I mean, as again, somebody who wasn't there and was watching it, it almost seemed like he was defending Chris, but more because he had some unresolved issues with Johnny or something. And then Stacy walking in and, you know, kind of parroting all that and calling her all sorts of names. And I thought that that was so evident. It was just because she was jealous that her now boyfriend, fiance, is even talking to Johnny. I don't know. The whole thing, that seemed really uncomfortable. I don't know why they were attacking her. And so she wanted a second chance with Chris. Who gives a shit? I just thought it was so odd that they made it so like violent and mean. I, I That made me really question um, who they were. But, you know, it reminds us that the cast is regular people with regular issues. And that happens a lot in real life, I guess. You know what I mean? But also you're in a situation where, you guys are in a heightened scenario and I feel like people are looking for some sort of that drama, especially when people get together and it seemed not manufactured. I mean, I think the feelings were there for some of those people, but it did seem over the top to me. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And what we have to remember is that these situations would not happen in real life. There's mm -hmm. no way if you just had, if Johnny was dating Izzy and Izzy was dating Johnny and then, and then Stacy, and then we wouldn't all just go to a barbecue together and be like, Hey, how's it going? And, you know, before <laughs> we even go in there, all of the people that are invited to the barbecue, we're meeting with production and they're giving us roles. They're like, okay, Hey, Uche, you need to talk to Lydia. And then you need to talk with Milton. Hey, Johnny, you're going to have a conversation with Izzy. Then you're going to have this conversation. So it's it's kind of planned out and it's not a very natural situation. So yeah, there is going to be conflict because that wouldn't have happened in real life. So it's kind of a forced conflict in a sense. And mm. I think if they were able to just say, okay, Izzy and Stacy, we just got engaged. You were just dating Johnny. Let's not hang out with them for a few weeks so we can let our relationship blossom before we're in a situation like that with your ex. I think it would it might have happened a little bit differently if they were allowed to kind of get over all of that conflict and the, those feelings on their own first. Right. Um, all right. So it's been written in a couple articles already. It's not really a spoiler alert at this point, but um, that the only two people that got married so we think sort of um, is Milton and Lydia. And we don't know. I don't know. You may know um, whether or not they are still together, because as of right now, they do not follow each other on Instagram for people. That seems to be very important. But, um, you know, so what are your thoughts on them as a couple? Yeah, as a couple, I think they're great. You know, I think they're they're a great match, you know, from the beginning, uh, from what we saw, they had, you know, uh, a few things in common, like, you know, Milton is into rocks and, you know, Lydia is a geologist. How, oft, how often does that happen in the mm. world as well? And I think that Milton and Lydia's personalities complement each other very well. He's very calm and collected. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, I think that Lydia's somebody that's very emotionally um, demanding. And Milton is somebody that can kind of bottle up or suppress his emotions a little bit. And he is able to prioritize Lydia's emotions and let his take a little bit of a backseat and let her be a little bit more dominant. And that balance, I think, works for them well in a relationship. And yeah, I think that just from what was on screen, you know, at least, I think that they're uh, a great fit and a great match in a relationship. Do you feel like you made some real authentic friendships? Do you still talk to people from the show? Absolutely. There's, uh, there's a bunch of the guys that I still talk with, you know, we hang out, we've been on trips, 
Um, there's a bunch of the girls that I still talk with that I'm friends with. And I would say that's the number one thing that I was most thankful for throughout the entire experience is developing those uh, strong and those long lasting relationships. And how do you feel about production? Did you become friends with anybody in the crew? Production, I would say that I don't keep up with anybody from uh, production. I would say that um, one of the producers I really did uh, enjoy, Marco. You know, I think he's I think he's great. I thought I, you know, was able to to connect with him, uh, you know, during during filming. Uh, but other than that, don't keep up with anybody from from production. So I don't know if you've been following this like reality reckoning thing. A lot of it has to do with Bravo and NBC. But as you know, there was a lawsuit um, <clears throat> that was filed last week. I know you don't want to talk about it um, very much, but I do just want to ask you in terms of the bigger picture for this whole thing that people that are in reality shows are feeling and fighting for. Um, you know, you were talking about how you were edited a certain way and you felt, you know, that there were some regrets about that. Do you feel, though, like um, you were forced to do anything that you uh, wouldn't have done on your own? Do you feel like it was an abusive environment? Like, how do you feel in terms of this whole reality reckoning thing and what people in reality shows are, you know, kind of up in arms about? Yeah, so I haven't, you know, read or researched too much into that. So as a whole, I don't think I can comment much about, you know, other people's situation and other reality shows that I was not a part of. Um, in terms of my experience uh, on Love is Blind, I think there were some some good moments and there were some, you know, bad moments. Um, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, the producers can put us in these situations and they can suggest things and they can tell us what to do. Or in my case, they can say, hey, if you do a certain thing, we'll send you home or whatever else. But we all have decisions to make at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I have to take accountability for my actions just as much as, you know, the producers have to take accountability uh, for their actions as well. Right. OK, I think that's a great answer. All right. So I guess my last question would then be, do you, you know, how are you going to move forward with your own dating life? Are you going to pay more attention to somebody's personality? Are there going to be things you learned from the show that will you will take on into your new life as a single man? I mean, if you are single, are you single? <laughs> I am not single. I'm in a relationship. I have a girlfriend. And I really think that a lot of the things that I have learned from the show and learned from the experience has already helped me in my relationship, you know, in terms of my communication and, you know, watching my tone and, you know, choosing my words very carefully. I think that that has helped out immensely. And I am thankful for having those lessons. And I do think that it's made me, you know, not only uh, a better man, a better communicator, but a better boyfriend in my relationship. Wow. I love that. Okay. So all in all, Love is Blind was a success. You learned things from it. If uh, we're defining success as learning things, I absolutely think that it was a success. I did learn things and I did make a whole lot of friends. Okay, that's great. Um, where can people find you in the future? Yeah, Instagram at I'm above the law. And um, yeah, just reach out to me and connect with me there. And will you be watching the next season of Love is Blind if it happens? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they've already filmed uh, season six or not, but I'll just be excited to be out of the hot seat, you know, where <laughs> people where people forget all about season five. Nobody will know who I am anymore. And I'll just be uh, sitting back and I'll absolutely be watching, uh, you know, season six if uh, if that does happen. Right. Wait. And incidentally, how has this fame changed you? Have you noticed an increase in your followers? Have you noticed people stopping you on the street? What is that like for you? It's honestly been um it's been exciting uh at times it can be a little bit overwhelming you know obviously there's the followers and there's the internet or whatever else but there's just such a big difference between the internet and reality because on the internet you know i'll get some people supporting me i'll get some negative comments and then in person everywhere i go i'm being recognized and it's like people love me people come up yeah. to me and people say hey I really connected with what you said. You've encouraged me to stand up for myself, to express my opinions, to maintain my values. Hey, can I take a picture with you? Hey, I loved you on Love is Blind. So 
it it makes me feel good to have people say that hey you're not perfect you're flawed like everybody else but i really did like how you represented yourself and i enjoyed watching you so that's been that's been pretty exciting to get that that warm response from people I do love that you say that because it is different on social media. People are warriors behind a keyboard. I saw you posted something about your dog and, you know, it's all sorts of things. People are like, oh, I love you. You're great. And some people are like, oh, you know, I can't believe that Lydia didn't tell Aaliyah what an ugly dog you had. I'm like, who are these people? What a dumb, I mean, you can only laugh at it because it's so stupid. But yes, I do. I am sure that when people see you, um, they love that they're able to recognize you and say something to you because you are such a star right now and Netflix's biggest hit. Um, and so we do wish you the best. Um, I think it's great that you are able to come on and talk about your version of the story because it did clear up a lot of things. Um, and we will um, be eager to see what happens at the reunion with everybody. I know you're not going to be part of it, but um, you know we are going to be following you and make sure that we um, see how things end up. Good luck in your new relationship and um, stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Ujay. Thank you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or want to reach out? Email us at info misunderstood podcast at gmail.com. That's spelled M-I-S-S understood. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Misunderstood.